You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning, church. Everybody good? Good, good. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Here's a quick question. How do you know if you go to a redneck church in South Georgia? They give away meat on Father's Day. That's how you know if you go to a redneck church in South Georgia. Uh, we're giving away meat. Um, and so, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, can't get enough steak, right? Steak is good. Sometimes people look at cows and see, you know, poor, poor, pitiful cows. I look at cows and see steak. That's what I see, and it's good. So, anyway, um, glad you're here and excited about this morning, excited about getting into this series called Built to Last. Um, and this series is about looking at the foundational building blocks of um, our Christian faith. And so far, we've looked at the very first step, which is believing, and we talked about how we believe, um, and when we believe, we get the most precious gift that we can. One is Christ, but two is the receiving of the Holy Spirit, um, which is that thing that, that works in us. He works in us to give us life and to give us the power to live the life that God wants us to live. Um, the second thing we looked at last week is we looked at belonging. And we talked about how we're to belong to the, the, the church, that the church is more than a building. It's a people that, that, that are joined together, um, that the Holy Spirit joins together, the people who are built around the gospel um, together and are a part of the gospel together. And so um, we looked at those two things. Today we're looking at one um, that is hugely important and that I'm excited to look at today, and it's worship. That when we come into a relationship with God, um, we come into a relationship of worship where we worship Him. And I want us to look at what worship is and what it isn't, and then some things that God wants for us and from us in our worship. And so um, let's check this out. In 1 Peter chapter 2, this whole series is coming out of 1 Peter chapter 2. I just want to read the first 10 verses to set up the context. Um, Peter is writing to Christians in Asia. Um, and who are scattered around, um, writing to different churches, and he's, he's writing to them so that they can live the life that God wants them to live and that Christ died for them to live. And so let's start in verse 1 there in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, meaning Jesus, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. That's what we talked about last week, where we belong, where God builds us together. He says we're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And listen to this, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so when we look at that, we're looking at worship. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And listen to verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he says, this is why you're that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So again, we're talking about worship. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and active. God, I pray we wouldn't treat this as any ordinary worship service, but that we would realize that you are here right now. Your presence is with us because we are gathered in your name for your purposes, God. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you create an appetite for worship within us? God, would you do a great work in us so that you can do a great work through us? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, how many of you would describe yourself as someone who is typically not satisfied with just knowing what you're supposed to do, but you also want to know why you're supposed to do it? You want to know the why about things. Um, What I'm finding more and more is that people want to know why. Rather than just being told what, they want to know why. Why should we do this? Why should we do that? Um, It's almost like my children, as they were growing up and younger, and Reed, my five-year-old, is still somewhat in this. Every time I would tell them something, I'd always get the why. You know, I'd be be like, put your seatbelt on. Why? You know, go eat your vegetables. Why? And then you finally just get tired of it, and so you go to the standby of, because I said so, right? And you just tell them that, and then um, they get aggravated, and then they finally do what you tell them to do. And then, um, so I, I realize that in many ways, we need to know the why. And one of the places that I feel like we need to understand this is in the area of worship. And we need to understand why we worship. First of all, I want you to have a general understanding of what worship is. And worship is not um, some things, and we'll talk about these in just a minute, but worship is really a total life experience. It's all of our life. It's giving all of ourselves to Jesus. It's one of the, 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 the things that the scripture talks about where we lay down our lives, where we are crucified with Christ. It's every moment of every day that we live is, is our worship to God. And so we need to see this and understand this and realize that all of life is a total worship experience. We are always worshiping something or worshiping someone. And if you look at this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9, you can find some reasons why we should worship. It says in verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The very first reason that we should worship is because he chose us. Here's the thing I want you to understand is that the God of the universe came to you. While we were still dead in our sin, while we were still sinners, God gave his son for us. God came looking for us. We didn't just somehow discover God. We discovered God because God revealed himself to us. That's how good God is, that he revealed himself to us, that we could have a relationship with him. So many times we hear people say, I found God. But the reality of it is God wasn't lost. I've said this before, but it's like we sometimes think that God was on like aisle 14 at Walmart and we somehow rounded the corner and wow, there he was. And we're like, oh, wow, there's God. He was lost. Come, God, let me let me help you. No, God found us. He came to us and he revealed himself to us. He chose us. And that's one of the reasons that we worship him is because he chose us to be his people. He says that we're a royal priesthood. Another reason that we worship God is because he's given us a purpose. Listen, he's given us a reason to exist. From the time we're born to the time we die, many people wonder about why am I here? What is my purpose for existence? God clearly tells us that in scripture. 
It's to worship him. It's to glorify him. It's to fill the earth with his glory. And, and we need to see and understand that God's given us a reason for existence. He's given us a purpose that's greater than ourselves. He's given us a reason to be here. And so we need to understand that and see that. He's given us, when he talks about this royal priesthood, it means we've come into his kingdom, not just as slaves, not as some lower being, but he has made us his children. That means princesses and princes who've come in as royalty into God's kingdom. And he's given us a, a role in worship. The priests were the ones who carried out the acts of worship in the Old Testament temple. And what Peter is saying is each one of you have a role to play in worship. Every single person has an act of worship to give. And we'll talk about what that looks like more in just a minute. The next thing it says in that verse is that you're a holy nation. He's talking to the people who are in Christ, Christians who are, who are believers in Jesus. He says, you're a holy nation. Another reason we worship God is because he's made us holy. He, he's done for us what we can never do for ourselves. He's made us holy. He set us apart for his work, for his reasons, for his purposes. He's given us holiness. He's given us righteousness. He's made us right before him, taking away our sin and connecting us with him in a way that we could have never done. And so I want you to see that another reason that we worship God is because he's made us holy. The next one, it says, is that you're God's special possession. This one's incredible to me, that we belong to God, that we are his, that the God who created the stars in the sky, the God who created all the planets, the God that created everything that we see, the God that is infinitely greater than us said, I want you as my possession. He chose us and then he took us as his own, promising to never leave us nor forsake us. And he says, you belong to me as a father. He's talking about Father's Day. He's our perfect heavenly father that we can know and we can love and we can be in relationship with. We can be um, intimately related with this father, this perfect father who's in heaven who says, you are mine. I remember when I was little, there were several times that my dad had to come to my defense. I guess I wasn't a very good fighter. Um, and so I, I, I didn't take up for myself real well in some situations. And so my dad would come to my defense. I always think about our heavenly father in that way. When things come against us or Satan comes against us, how awesome it is to know that we have a heavenly father that will stand in between us and what we're going through. Um, I was driving down I-95 coming back from a wedding rehearsal on Friday night when that big storm was coming through. I, I don't know how many of you got to experience that storm, but it was, it was pretty bad. It was blowing my truck all over 95. Um, at one point, I was going about 35 miles an hour on 95. Um, I was expecting a tree to fall anytime, you know, something just to go crazy or see like a funnel cloud or something like that because it was, it was a bad storm. And I remember looking at the ominous clouds, those clouds, that was a, kind of a big word for me, ominous. Um, <laughs> But I was looking at the clouds and I was driving into them and I thought about, man, I'm driving 80 miles an hour, not 70 miles an hour <laughs> into a storm and I'm just going as fast as I can into a storm. And, and, and I thought about that, how sometimes in life, that's what we're doing. We may not even realize it, but we're heading into a storm. But the thing that I felt like the Lord put on my heart was that I'm going to be with you in the storm. And guess what? I came out on the other side. Why is that true of God? Because we are his special possession. We are his prize, his joy. You and I, that's crazy to think about, but it's true that he loves us. When I came out on the other side of the storm, it was like God just spoke to my heart and said, I love you and you're mine. 
And he brought me through the storm. And he does the same thing for us in life. He carries us through the storm. We're his special possession, his prized possession. The last one he says that you may declare the praise of him. Listen, he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Another reason that we worship God is because he's taken us out of darkness and brought us into the light of God. Meaning he's taken us one out of sin and, and darkness and brought us into life. Living, true living in the spirit. But two, he's opened our eyes from darkness to light where we can truly see. He's given us a different way of seeing. And when we begin to see differently, when God begins to speak to our hearts and we begin to see differently, we begin to get into his word and our mind is renewed and we begin to see differently, what begins to happen is we begin to live differently. Things begin to look different to us in the world. How we handle life begins to become different because we see differently now. And when he's taking us from darkness to light, it's basically telling us that the gospel is powerful enough to take us from sin and death into life. That Jesus gave his life so that we could be taken from this, the power of darkness into light. And that we could have life. And so we worship him for what Jesus did. If you ever need a reason to worship, what I would encourage you to do is look at the cross. Look at the cross and see what God's done for us. If you ever wonder, and when you look at these things, when you look at the things that are laid out here in verse nine, the question really isn't why should I worship? The question becomes why wouldn't I worship? When we see what he's done and who he is and what he's made us and what he does for us and how he's a loving father to us, the question becomes why wouldn't we choose to worship? But this is what I find, that there's a lot of misunderstandings about worship. I find that there's a lot of misunderstandings of what it is. As I told you, it's a total life experience. I mean, what worship isn't, I wanna talk about this for just a minute. Worship isn't just music during a worship service. So many times we refer to that as worship and it is a, a, a form of worship. It is a part of worship, but that's not all that worship is. We're gonna talk about that specifically in a minute, but that's not all that worship is. Worship's not a style of music, holy cow. Here's the reality for us is that many times churches are split. Thank you. Many times churches are split. Many times churches fight and have, have schisms and divisions um, over the style of music. The reality of it is worship isn't based on a style of music. Worship is based on the, the, the words we sing, yes. But remember, it's a total life experience. It's all of who we are. People get so upset about the music. So many people don't like what we do in worship. They don't like the style of music. Well, you shouldn't play drums in the service. Okay, whatever. Well, I don't know where you get that from. It's not in scripture. But, but, but we hear those types of things. But worship is not based on a style of music. Listen, that is a preference. That is a preference. Our lives are lived in worship. Our lives are there to show worship. Another one that's true is that um, worship is not about us. Many times we, we feel like worship is all about us. That's one of the reasons that it becomes such a divisive thing is because if it's not like we want it, then by golly, it needs to be changed. But the reality of it is it's not about us. And so many times people have complained about, well, why do you sing like this? Or why do you do this? And, and I don't like that. Um, and and, and the, my reply typically is, we're not singing to you, right? 
If we were singing to you, then your preference would be the first and foremost thing we're thinking about. But the reality of it is we're singing to God. It's not about us. It's about worshiping him. It's about knowing him and knowing what he's done for us as we just looked at in worshiping him. Another thing that we need to see is that worship is not a feeling or an emotion. So many times we don't worship if we don't feel it. We come in the door and man, oh, the worship was so good today. And what we mean is we really like the music. But worship is bigger than a feeling or an emotion. Worship is a choice. It's a decision that we make. Listen, if all we do is work off of a feeling, then there's so many times that we won't worship in our life or in the service. We've got to make a choice to worship. And this is the thing I can tell you, if you will draw near to God in worship, then you, might, you, you probably will have an emotional experience because when you come into the presence of God, it is powerful. But we can't wait on that feeling. We make a choice based on what God's done for us and who he is to, to, to come into his presence and to worship him. The last one is this, that worship's not optional. Here's the thing I know, and, and you can relate to this. Every one of us have something in our life that would consume us if we allowed it, would it not? Something that would consume you, hunting, fishing, shopping, um, whatever it might be that would consume us if we allowed it. And here's the reason why, because it's easy for us to give away our worship to other things. But the reality of it is worship is not optional because we are created to worship something or someone. We were created to worship God, but worship is just in us. It's something that we do. We are going to worship someone or something. The question becomes who or what has my worship? What am I worshiping? Am I worshiping the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, bringing acceptable offerings to him? Or is my life being lived for another purpose? Is it being lived for my job? Is it being lived for my spouse? Is it being lived for my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Is it being lived for um, my children? Um, is it being what's it being lived for? Is it being lived for him in an act of worship? Or am I living my life for myself? And so this misunderstanding of what worship is, is prevalent throughout the church. It's something that we need to see. We need to understand what worship is. And I really want us to talk about that and talk about what it looks like. Specifically, what does it look like when we come in here on Sunday morning? The things we're going to talk about apply not just to Sunday morning. They apply to our life. But I feel like this, and this is one of the things I want to speak into for a minute. I feel like a lot of times we walk into the worship service um, on Sunday morning and we really don't know why we're doing what we're doing. I think that's why so many people don't worry about getting to church before for the, the worship and through song and just get here for the message because we see the, the worship through music as just a filler until the message can take place. And so it's, it's optional, but I would encourage you that it's not optional. I would encourage you that it's not something that is just words on a screen. It is when we come in and make a declaration to God and identify ourselves with him. The world watches us worship. People who don't know Christ who come in watch us worship and it shows them the reality of who he is and the reality of who we are as worshipers of him. And it's a great opportunity for us to experience God together. But it, we've got to come in, and there's a few things that I believe, if you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that I want to give you today, that I believe this with all my heart, that God wants this for us, and God wants this from us. 
in our worship. If our worship is going to be acceptable to him, I believe that these are things that God wants for us and from us as we come into worship. Romans chapter 12, verse one says this, therefore, and when he says therefore, he's talking about everything that Romans has already talked about. He's basically talked about salvation and, and how that happens all the way up until Romans chapter 12. It's, it's great. If you want to really read and understand what Jesus has done for us, read the book of Romans. Paul lays it out um, perfectly in, in such a great way that you can see why Jesus did what he did. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The very first thing I noticed in there is it says that we're to be a living sacrifice meaning that it's supposed to be all the time. The first thing that I believe God wants for us and from us in our worship here on Sunday morning is that we come in ready, that we come into the service ready. That, listen, it's something that we think about more than just Sunday morning. Here's the reality. If we don't think about God and worship God with all of our life, we will never encounter the power of God in corporate worship that God wants us to experience. We have to be worshiping during the week so that when you walk in here, it is an extension of what you've been doing all week long. It's an extension of your worship that has been taking place throughout the week. I'm not talking about where you just ride around all day long singing worship songs. That's part of it. But what I'm talking about is where your mind is set on, set on the Lord throughout the week and you're living for God. You're talking to God. You're thanking God. You're conscious of God consistently throughout the week, not just for an hour and 15 minutes or, or so on Sunday morning, but that we come in ready to worship him, thinking about him more than just on Sundays. Another thing that we, I believe God wants, if you look at this entire verse, what he's basically talking about is us coming into God's presence. So God wants us, one, to be ready, but two, he wants us to be expectant. He wants us to be expectant. This verse is about people who are coming into God's presence to worship, to offer sacrifice. When we come in on Sunday morning, we should come in expectantly. We might not know exactly what God's going to do or how he's going to do it, but we should come in here thinking, I'm about to go in and encounter the presence of God. How many of you walk in excited on Sunday morning because you feel I'm going to encounter God? I'm going to worship the living God. I'm going in here today and we're going to see people touched by God. I'm going in here today and I'm excited about what God's going to do. And the way, reason I know God's going to do something is because he's promised that we're two or more gathered in his name, that he is there. And when the presence of God shows up and God is present, then people's hearts begin to change. People's lives begin to change. Healing begins to take place. Wounds begin to be healed. And we begin to see transformation taking place in people's lives. But how many times do we walk in the door and we come in with, the, instead of the attitude of I'm about to worship God, I'm expecting God to move, we come in and we go, he better be good today. He better be on his game. He better move me. Well, that's crap. What God calls us to do is to come in seeking him. We come in so many times as consumers, not as givers of worship. So we walk in the door and we say, God, do it to me. I want to feel a goosebump today. 
when the reality of it is what God wants us to do is to come in and lay down our lives as an extension of what we've been doing all week long and then come with an expectancy that God is going to move in a very real and powerful way. I believe this. I believe every aspect of the worship service would go to another level if we walked in here expecting. If we walked in here and we were responsive to what God's doing, if we were responsive to the music, if we were responsive to, to the word, if we were responsive to what God's doing, I believe it would all go to another level because we come in expecting God to do something, even when we don't feel it. I know when I was playing baseball at Georgia Southern, a lot of times we would have early morning, pretty early, to me it was early, um, morning practices uh, for, on Saturdays. And, and we would have to get up and half the time, you know, honestly you were hungover or you had been up late the night before and so you get out there and, and you just didn't feel it. And one of the things I learned was that I just had to go out there and push through it. I just had to go out there and I, I, I remember getting a bat and I would just stand there and swing the bat until the blood started flowing in my arms and my heart started beating faster. I would run, I would do something just to get the blood flowing because I didn't feel it. It wasn't something that I, I was just naturally excited about the practice, but I knew I needed to perform. I knew I needed to do well. And so I would just push through that, that obstacle. I'm telling you, here's what we have to do as the church. Some days we come in, we don't feel it, but we've got to push through knowing that God is here. We, we don't lean on our feelings. We lean on what the scripture tells us, that God is present, that he is here with us now. And so we push through that obstacle. We push through the feeling. We push through the emotion that says, oh man, you can't get anything out of this today. Uh, or, oh man, I'm just tired. I just want to get this done, get it out of my way so I can go home and take a nap or I can go eat lunch or I can go play golf or I can go fishing or I can go shopping or I can go do whatever I want to do. And the reality of it is we need to push through into God's presence where we recognize that he is here regardless of if I feel it or whether I know it, but I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to say, God, I know you're here and I'm going to worship you, not based on a feeling but based out of a choice of who you are and what you've done and the fact that you've promised to be here and so we begin to worship him in that way so we're ready and we come in expectant the third one is that we come in reflective we come in reflective because we've been reflecting all week we come into the worship service reflective it says in chapter 12 verse 1 in view of God's mercy offer your bodies as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy He's saying, because you've seen God, because you've experienced his mercy, because you've experienced his grace, because you've experienced who he is, now offer your lives as living sacrifices. When we come in here to worship, we come in reflective of what God's done in view of his mercies, in view of all he's done for me, in view of who he is. I rest my heart on that. I think about that. I, when I walk in here, so many times I don't necessarily feel like worshiping God. I mean, it's been a busy week. I've had stuff going on. Sometimes I've been playing ball all weekend and, and we're just worn out. But I come in and I begin to worship. I begin to think about what God's done in my life. I believe I begin to think about what God has done through Jesus for me. And the next thing I know, my hands are in the air because I'm so thankful for what he's done. We've got to come in reflective. We've got to be reflecting on it during the week. What has God done? Look at what God's brought me through. Look at what God's done in my life, in my heart, in my family. Look at all the blessings that God's put on us. Look at the favor he's already shown us through Jesus. Listen, if Jesus was all God ever gave us, wouldn't that be enough to worship him? Yes. And so when we look at this, we become in reflective, realizing and thinking about what God's done. 
We think about who God is. We think about what God's done. We think about his character and nature, his faithfulness, his love, his grace, his justice, his righteousness. And we worship him for who he is and we worship him for what he's done. And the next thing you know, when you begin to do that, you begin to see God for who he is. You begin to see all that God's done. And worship is a natural thing to flow out of our hearts when we do that, when we reflect on that, when we think on that. It's one reason that I like to close my eyes during worship. You don't have to worship with your eyes closed. But I like to close my eyes because it allows me to be more reflective. It allows me to think more about God. It allows me to re remember more of what God's done and what he's doing in my life. The next one, out of verse 12, if you look at this, it says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Offer. The fourth one is this, that we are called to be free in worship. We're called to be free in worship. When you look at this, he's saying offer your bodies, but he's saying offer them with no strings attached. You hear people a lot of times talk about freedom in worship, and a lot of times freedom in worship for them actually means that you respond in worship in a certain way. What I'm going to tell you that freedom in worship is, is responding to God how he prompts you to respond. That you have the freedom to respond to God the way he prompts you to respond. If God tells you to stand there like a statue, then stand there like a statue. If God tells you to raise your hands, then raise your hands. If God tells you to jump up and down and jump up and down. If God tells you to get on your face and get on your face. If God says get on your knees, get on your knees. But we need to be free to respond to God the way he's called us to respond. I can remember the first time I ever raised my hands in a worship service. It was a gathering of probably about 60 people. I was in the back of the room and the lights were off and everybody's facing the other way. And, and it felt like I, I might as well have been lifting two-ton weights in both hands. Because I was like, God was putting on my heart, just surrender and just lift your hands. And in an act of surrender, just lift your hands to me. And I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I'm back there sweating, me and God having this battle. And he's just like, just, all you got to do is put your hands in the air. And I'm like, I can't put my hands in the air. They just won't go up there. It's like I was holding it's like this right here. And then and finally I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about what anybody thinks. And so I was like. <laughs> and, and gradually they went on up, right? But it was awkward. It felt weird. I, was, I felt sure when I did like this that everybody went and looked at me. And then I opened one eye and I was like, nobody's looking. And that was kind of cool. It felt good. Just to surrender to God. And when we lift our hands, that's all it's saying is that I'm surrendering to him. It, it's not, it, and some of y'all know when you walked in the first time, you saw people raising their hands. You were like, what's going on in here? Is there a snake in that hand? And so you, you're like, whoa, that's kind of weirds me out. I know because people tell me like the first time I walked in the door, I was kind of like, what in the world's going on? If somebody got a gun to their back, why do they got their hands up, Right. And, and the thing is that, that it's just an act of surrender. And when God prompts us to do that, and many times, uh, once you have kind of gotten comfortable in that, a lot of times I can tell you this, my hands go up before I ever have any feeling that they should go up. Just as an act of surrender, just saying, God, here I am. Here I am for you, God. I'm here to worship you. So many times God prompts me to come up here and get on my knees. And it's, it's kind of one of those things that's difficult because I don't necessarily want to do that. You feel like everybody in the room's going, well, I was preaching on his knees. 
What's he done this week? And, and so you know, it's hard, but then nobody cares. Nobody's worried about that. But I'm just encouraging you to respond to God the way he prompts you to respond. Worship God the way he prompts you to worship. Don't worry so much about your dignity that you won't worship God the way that he calls you to worship. Be free to worship him. If God prompts you to take off, run, just run around. You just run your little feet off. Just respond to God the way he wants you to respond. In your heart, as you're prompted to be free, offer yourselves with no strings attached. So to be ready, to be living sacrifices, always worshiping God, to be expectant, believing that we're coming into God's presence, to be reflective in view of his mercy, that we're thinking about what he wants us or who he is and what he's done. And then to be free, that we're thinking about what, how does he want me to respond? How does he want me to respond to him in this? And the last one is to be surrendered, to be surrendered. He says, offer your bodies. When he says bodies, he's talking about offering ourselves in purity to God, but he's also talking about offering all of ourselves to God. He's talking about everything. And so we come in and we're surrendered to God. We give all of who we are to God. We don't hold back anything, but we come in surrender. It's a hugely important thing. Jesus shows us what this looks like when he offered his body on the cross. He didn't hold anything back, but he came and gave it all to us as a sacrifice so that we could then come into a relationship with our heavenly father. He gave it all. He gave everything in surrender. And so I want you to see that that's what God calls us to do, to be surrendered in our worship. Throughout the week, when we come in here as well, that we come in surrender. My prayer is that God would in many ways begin to break up our heart of stone in worship. That we would begin to worship him out of love and out of the joy that comes from a relationship with him. We come in here that it's a pursuit of him. We've got to be pursuing him during the week. We've got to be going after him all the time. That's the joy of it, is that we never exhaust all of who God is. There's always more of God to be revealed to us and who he is. And we press into his presence, experiencing who he is. Not because of a feeling, but because of a choice, because we see what God has done for us how God's done that for us. And we surrender our lives to him completely. Have you given all of yourself to God? Have you given all of yourself to him? Have you said yes to him with no strings attached? Because that's normal Christianity. That's how it works is when we say yes to him, we give him all of us. And the rest of our lives we spend continually surrendering. But have you ever come to that point where you surrendered your life to him as the Lord of your life? Where you gave your body, your all, your everything to him and said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Have your affections ever been stirred for him? Do you have love for him? Because if you don't, then here's the reality. You've never met him. You've never been filled with the spirit of God through faith in Jesus. 
Because when that happens, our hearts are changed and we have affection for Christ. We love him. Have you ever done that? Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus? If not, you can. In just a minute, we're going to take communion together as an act of worship. But before we do that, listen, communion is something that believers do together. It's something that we share in together. My question to you is, are you a believer? Are you a follower of Christ? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? If not, then today you can come to him by faith. Basically what you're saying is I'm resting my eternity on him. I'm saying, Jesus, if you don't save me, I won't be saved. It is as if he were to fail, then you would be in trouble for eternity. But the reality of it is he never fails. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said yes to him and a relationship with him? If you haven't, but today the Lord's speaking to your heart. You feel God knocking on the door of your heart. You feel God drawing you to him. And we want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. An opportunity to know him. And I'm going to ask you right now, right where you are, if that's you today and you would say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I've never had that, but today I want that. I'm going to ask you right now, would you stick your hand up and say, that's what I want. I want to know Christ. Amen. 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 Who else? Know today that you need a relationship with Jesus. You don't have that, but you want that. In the back, back here. Amen. Who else? It's an awesome thing to have a relationship with the living God. Our folks are coming forward now with the communion elements. When we come to God's table, when we come to communion, it's an awesome, reverent time of worship. It's a time when we come and celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, on the night that he gave himself up for us, it says, the Bible says that he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, take and eat. And it says he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we come and we take the bread, it represents his body that took our sin upon himself, that died in our place, that took the judgment and wrath of God upon himself so that we could be set free from sin and death. We celebrate that through the bread. When we come and we celebrate the juice, we celebrate the blood of Jesus that, that we um, have, been, have been given as a sacrifice to establish the new covenant, this new relationship with God. And so it's a celebration of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And today we have that opportunity. The Apostle Paul tells us that we should examine ourselves, though, before we participate in this act of worship. We should look into our own hearts and see what's there, that we should get our hearts right before we take communion, before we come and partake of the body and the blood of Jesus, the bread and the juice.
And so what I want to do right now is I want to give you a few minutes, just a few seconds here. Just a little bit of time. You can examine your heart. Let God search your heart. And that you can begin to reflect on what God's done for you. And who he is. So let's take a moment. Let's do that right now. thank you for your love for us and the grace you give us Jesus thank you that you gave yourself for us completely surrendered let us live our lives that way when we walk in here on Sunday mornings let us be surrendered let us be ready because we've worshipped you all week let us be reflective help us to remember it's not about us but it's all about you God all of life is about you as we come today to celebrate your body and blood, Lord, we thank you that your presence is here, that you are among us. God, speak to our hearts through your spirit and let us get our heart right. And let us begin to reflect and rejoice in what, who you are and what you've done. Lord, we love you and thank you for loving us and for the grace you give us. In Jesus' name.